0: Welcome to the Forever Fab Podcast, the podcast dedicated to fashion, the art of living well, and all things beauty. I'm your host, Dr. Shirley Medare, your purveyor of this absolutely definitive source of living a beautiful life. Today's episode is dedicated to friendship. And we have my interview with Patrick Riley, and this interview is called The Path of Dreams, Fulfillment and Responsibility. Welcome, Patrick.
1: Thank you, Dr. Shirley. So good to be here. So good
0: to have you. Yes, Patrick Riley is multi-talented. He's a blogger, TV producer, author, entertainment journalist, historical archivist. Ooh, that's, Ooh, deep. that's potent. <laughs> He's also an independent media personality and writer in New York City. He's worked with some heavy hitters and some legendary figures in entertainment, including Oprah Winfrey, Diana Ross, and Miss Beyoncé. He graduated cum laude. Nerdy. (laughs) That's true. (laughs) But I love a good brain. We love a blurb. I I love (laughs) a good brain. You graduated from Morehouse College in Atlanta with a degree in broadcast journalism, which obviously served you quite well. Yes. His incredible journey thus far has led him to work as a field producer for the Oprah Winfrey and Wendy Williams shows. He was raised in Tokyo, actually born in Tokyo, right? Yes. Born in Tokyo, raised in Savannah, Georgia, graduated from... Atlanta and currently lives in New York City. You just have been around the world.
1: Absolutely. A lot of ports of call, a lot of shall ports we of say? Call. And then what, San Bernardino, California's oh, in there as well. Oh my and goodness. My San Bernardino, family, and my California. father also had my siblings in Germany. Like we've been a lot of places.
0: You've been around the world. Yeah. yeah. Dad's
1: yeah. an 86 year old retired <gasps> Air Force. Chief Master Sergeant Air Force. Oh my gosh! our Air Force Chief Master Sergeant. That's serious, right.
0: like the uniforms. Like right?
1: the uniform and all of that. The medals and all
0: that. All of all that. The bling, and, all he's, the and I say
1: 86 years young because yes. he's still kicking. I see where you get it from. <laughs> Thank so
0: you. So let's dip, let's dig into it. Let's yes. dive in. Yes. Yeah. So as I mentioned, Tokyo, Savannah, Atlanta, New York City, San Bernardino, tell me about your treks across the world to get to where you are now.
1: Well, I am the son of some great Savannah people. My dad and my mom, my dad Herman Lee Riley Sr., and my mom Queen Elizabeth Bellinger Riley are from Savannah, Georgia, church people, just regular people, and uh, my dad Made a decision that he would um, have his family see the world. So wow. um, I have two siblings yes. that are older than me. We've all been born. He loves to say that he has three kids born on three different uh, continents. <laughs>
0: continents. That's great. And
1: now, uh, because my brother's born in Germany, my sister was born in Savannah. And um, my parents just showed us maybe a world different than the people who. Stayed in Savannah?
0: Yes, at that time. At
1: that time. Yeah. And so, um, growing up in, you know, the first three years in Japan, we had a year or two in Valdosta, Georgia. I forgot that. Wow. That was Moody Air Force Base. Yes. Then San Bernardino, California. That was Norton Air Force Base. And wow. then Warner Robbins Air Force Base. Before Dad retired, yes, and those years were diverse years for me. You know, uh, military living is a very diverse yes. life. Yes, so and it's we very
0: different from quote unquote normal very life. different yeah. from the
1: civilian piece, and yes. so I got an opportunity to really um, to kind of see the world globally. Yes, with that global context. Yes, my parents loved you know the tv guide was our bible yep
0: so you know we
1: would look at the tv guide and know what we wanted to watch mama raised her boys to love soap operas yes the stories stories. our people call them you know young and the restless as the world turns guiding light guiding light (laughs) Uh, that's the whole cbs lineup isn't it um bold and beautiful though you have to get that in there and so I just grew up always sort of loving the divas through that lens, yes, and through the lens of what I saw on TV, through the stories that were being told through the movies, yes, through their songs, through um, you know, my mom picked up the magazines, the the, the Star, yeah. the Globe, yes. the National Enquirer, whatever the magazines du jour were, those were the magazines I was reading as well as right. a child, right? So I would just. Um, by the time we got to Savannah, I had this inkling yeah. that the entertainment pop culture bug was mine. Yes. Uh, sort of, I took ownership of it oh, then. Oh my gosh. Maybe at a time where my parents for, because I was the nerd you point <laughs> out, that was academically correct. Yes. <laughs> but I loved pop culture alongside that. Right. And so, you know, if dad took me to the... Library, he'd say, "Are you sure you don't want a book on sports?" This because (laughs) I'm getting all the books on the divas, you know, the singers, the actors. Yes, I'm finding out about the stories, uh, the images of black. Oh yeah, the images
0: for sure. In
1: arts, yeah, in dance, which
0: obviously weren't that popular back then. wasn't
1: that popular. So I had to do a lot of digging for it. But once I did the digging, and Dad saw that I wasn't buying a book on getting a book on sports, checking out a book on sports, yeah. To him, it was just kind of like he said it recently. Patrick's ambitions have always been felt.
0: Well, that's amazing that he a recognized it, b acknowledged it, and c supported you.
1: Supported it. That's amazing. Supported it. It made a big difference yeah. for me because it just allowed me to then sort of incorporate the divas into right. everything I did and you know blossom I mean?
0: and grow and
1: through that. <sighs> kind of inspiration that's right so that's what so i did write a book the book is that's what friends are for and the women who inspired me because there's so much inspiration in these women for me yes but i also know for the culture good for you
0: now, you were transfixed by the TV, as you mentioned, yes. in your childhood, and the stories and yes. the magazines. Yes. So what impact did the TV, the, those stories on television, and seeing people reflected back to you that looked like you, what kind of impact did that have on your growing up and your sense of possibility?
1: It was major for me because I think the images I saw, I remember just um, last year interviewing Joe Morton, mm-hmm. Papa Pope. Yep. From uh, scandal, yes, and he was Grady from Sanford and Sons' son-in-law on a spin-off. Wow. So they did a spin-off from Sanford and Son yeah. with Grady with yes. Field Mayo, and his son-in-law was Joe Morton. Yeah, and I remembered sort of, you know, we were in Valdosta, California, wherever we were at the time. I, I saw myself in him, so. He's one example yes. of many where I saw myself in the people who were acting. Yes. They talked like me because you know because of my Air Force um background, breeding really and background. I, I, I read more poly-regional than I do mm. southern. I come yes. from southern people. Yes. I lived in Savannah a lot right. of years.
0: But you're
1: right. You do, your accent I, is not. I, I don't like, have that. I mean, I
0: I can yeah, I can, you can go there. I can go there.
1: <laughs> but I don't have that. And I saw that in him. I see. When in interviewing him last year, he says, "Guess what? You probably saw is that I was an army brat. He was an army oh, brat. Oh,
0: so you and that had a in similar common.
1: background. I see. And yet, through that simple sitcom script, yes." I saw myself. And so Amazing. that really was the the thing that started to like Diana Ross. Yes. I began to vibrate. You know, she was a diva. She's from the Brewster projects. I don't know anything of that background, right. but there was this thing that she had to overcome yes. to be the supreme yeah. person that she was. Yeah. I felt that struggle for myself, you know, trying to identify who I was. Yeah. You know, am I gay, am I not gay? How does this work in Savannah where everything is so So, heteronormal? Right, right, right. You know, how is this going to work? Right. So during that time, I really had a lot of uh, refuge in these people who were my inspiration for how they did their
0: life. That's right. And how they did
1: their difficult hurdles. Right. And so you
0: were able to model your life based on what you saw, but also make it your own and go through your own journey. Absolutely. That is inspiring. Absolutely. That that is inspiring. You began your career, I believe, in Atlanta. Yes. Is that correct? Mm -hmm. And when and why did you feel it was important to move to New York City?
1: Well, I'll tell you, um, Atlanta was, uh, I was there from 88 through 95. Mm -hmm. After Morehouse, I was a reporter trainee at the ABC affiliate in Atlanta, Atlanta. WSB, Mm -hmm. and then I also helped launch Good Day Atlanta. Oh, wow. You know the Good Day franchises? Yes, I didn't know it was a franchise. Good Day America,
0: Good Day New York. Yes, so
1: Good Day Atlanta launched in 93. I was hired um, not only as a producer for the show, but because I had... Um, on-camera background, yes. I became really the ad hoc entertainment reporter for oh, wow. Good Day Atlanta as they were figuring out how they were going to build this local show. Yes. So a lot of why I came to New York as quickly as I did, because I became a really big fish in Atlanta mm. fast You outgrew and quick, Atlanta. And I outgrew it. And I knew that there was more to do, though what I had done in Atlanta was very palpable for the time in pop yeah. culture yeah. because it was when right. uh, LaFace Records was launching. Oh, my gosh. So this is when TLC is just coming out. Yep. Uh, this is when Jermaine Dupree is launching Social so Def. So I'm giving um, uh, Criss Cross and Escape their first interviews. interviews. I That's am learning movie. how to do a separate revenue stream because I'm a local entertainment guy yes. for the TV uh, right. for the uh, local news but
0: at the same time but they're
1: hiring me as a media consultant to help these kids know how to answer some of these questions because they've never done that's right, media, media before. before so I really helped launch so I, I, I did all of that in the course of three years which which made the need for me to do to have to, to dream bigger yes it made the need for me to dream bigger um, more so I got an opportunity to come to New York and I w- uh, and it was um n- it was I think it's another example of a takeaway it was I moved f- to be in a bigger
0: mm-hmm. playground yeah you did the work
1: I did the work you to took get the risk. here but it wasn't for the gig that I wanted
0: ah. so I uh,
1: and so the gig was to produce Geraldo Rivera's primetime show, Rivera Live.
0: But you didn't get that at first. No, I got that. Oh, you did? Yeah, I got that. We
1: were covering the O.J. Simpson trial. Oh, my gosh. The trial of the century. Yeah. (laughs) And I, you know, I had the journalism background to do it um a lot of what was happening in broadcast was yes. you know a lot of tv you know court tv yes. kind of yeah. got on the map because, yeah. of because of that trial and people wanted to cover then more trials that were you know interesting and yeah, polarizing compelling and, like, and yeah. compelling yeah. and so um by the time the O.J. Simpson trial was done, um, Johnny Cochran was calling me to see if I would come and produce his show over at Court TV. Oh, my It gosh. was like a really great compliment for something that I didn't want to do. Right. <laughs> you know what I mean?
0: But here's the thing. You still said yes.
1: I said yes to many of those opportunities yeah. to, um, because they were the opportunities that got me here. Right. And then I used all my sideline time to get caught up in the entertainment stuff. Yeah. I had a great um Acting coach in Tracy Moore Marable at the time. Um, She's a spirited actor, coach of all the great. Hip hopper. She just wow. did Cardi B for Hustlers. Oh, did for she? Oh my goodness. Um, you know, during I have the to, day, that was a
0: small part, but she did well. She
1: did well. She, really she did, did well. I was impressed.
0: I was like, wow. She's like, she's a natural. Very impressive. And, yeah. I
1: mean, in the physicality, we knew oh, she knew. We, we knew, knew she we could, knew she knew, we, <laughs> could do, we knew she could do that.
0: She could play that role Tracy all day. Tracy helped
1: her with her lines. Oh yeah, I was with her say, lines. Yeah,
0: because Cardi got the moves down. Yes, yeah. yes. But at that time,
1: <laughs> Tracy was um, um, casting for uh, New York Undercover.
0: Oh, my gosh.
1: Do you remember the the big hip show? She um, cast me in uh, Faith Evans' first video, You Used to Love Me. I'm on the set in Brooklyn with Biggie, Diddy. They're all on set. This is her first single at a time where Brooklyn hip-hop was on the rise. Yes. And I yet again happened to, even though I came here to do one job, I found my – I navigated – a way to become this sort of freelance spirit. You so know? you
0: said yes initially to an opportunity that wasn't your ideal because yeah. it wasn't entertainment as you saw it but yes. it was still entertainment yes. and you still said yes, yeah. you took the risk, you did the work, you came to New York and then you say, you know, you it, it just kind of happened but you must have manifested it, part of it to a certain extent. Not that you necessarily strategized and planned it but you must have been open enough and you're saying yes, if I can get a little woot woot for a minute it, yes. you showed the universe that you were willing to do what you had to do yes. to get where you wanted to go
1: absolutely that's exactly what that was i really looked at what the sacri- what the sort of more immediate sacrifice would be yes. for the greater good
0: there you go the immediate sacrifice for the greater good. i'm gonna have to write that down
1: the, no please write that down and and i learned instantly that um in the yes, yes, that was the era of the yes. You know, as I'm transitioning into fifty, there's this new thing you look called fabulous the body. powerful no. Yes, thank you. Right. <laughs> but at, in my twenties, it was the powerful yes. Yes, it was choosing what you resist. That's right. You know, right. really, because kinda, there was
0: growth in that. There's
1: growth in that, yeah. and there's um, there's overwhelm in that. Yes, but if you juggle it correctly, yes, then you build what muscle. Yeah. So for me, I really built my muscle during those yeah, years when yeah. I first came to New York, but it was a calculated risk because I got CNBC to get me here. They relocated course, me. Yeah. I'm no fool. You, yeah, know what of I mean? you course. have to still look at the ways of in course. which you can make your moves. Pros and cons, so risk-benefit. Yeah,
0: absolutely. So it makes sense. Yeah. Absolutely. Fantastic. I love that you said that, Yes versus no, maybe age and experience related. So in your 20s and 30s, you're thinking, yes, 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 yes. But then you get to a point where you're like, okay, I've done this, I've done that. I
1: discernment.
0: Discerning. I love that word, discernment. Um, a
1: narrowing of focus.
0: Because your experience is valuable. Yes. What you have to say is valuable. Yes. And your experiences have brought you to a place where you know, if not exactly, but you pretty much know who you are and whom you are not. Absolutely. And therefore, you can be discerning about what you say yes to and what you say no to. Absolutely. So I like the powerful no. Absolutely. That follows the... You know, wide open, opportunistic yeses. Because
1: it's a total playground. And if we kind of can hold on to the joy through the struggles, through the challenges, love loss, and all that that looks like, if you can still hold on to that core piece. So like for me, if it were those divas from childhood, I could still hold on to them during these hard times. Even, you know, in my 20s, managing my own adult life, my life. right. There was still refuge with with, with these women. And what I then began to find out is a lot of the mentorship that I got in my industry, also from wonderful, beautiful women of color, either ones I had admired, yes, like the, you know, it was Monica Kaufman who I worked under in Atlanta, who yeah. was the Queen Diva anchor of the time. It was Amanda Davis, God rest her soul, who oh, told them to hire me right out of Morehouse amazing. for Good Day Atlanta. Wow. Um, it was Sid Melesti Sumter, the first woman to preside over the National Association of Black Journalists who actually hired me for that gig. She was yeah. the executive producer at the time. Yes. So it was a lot of these women who were... Betting on me before I exactly knew how to bet on myself. Right. And uh, But you. I always expressed sort of what those interests were. You know, I always let them know, I want to produce. I want to be a host. Yes. I want to, I can do the hard news. Yes. But I want to do entertainment and pop culture okay. powerfully. Yes. Not like the fluff Not stuff for, on the for. side. Yeah. But like as an expert. Like for real. You know. Good for you. Yeah.
0: Good for you. You keep an entertainment diary, so I've heard. Yes, yes. And you've had this entertainment diary since you began your career, so... Since
1: the beginning, since yeah. Since the beginning. Yeah.
0: And what types of things do you record, might I ask? I know it's a diary, but do you record your thoughts, your emotions, events, goals, dreams, all of the above? What What is the essence of that diary?
1: Experiences that I had early on before I was doing entertainment and pop culture every day, mm-hmm. because I was still sort of... In it. Like being yeah. in Atlanta, even when I was a reporter trainee for WSB, yes. I still went to the parties and the events. Yes. And, and yes. so there were always people to see, places to go. This is yes. before social media. Ah. You know, this is before blogging That's and any right. of that. So I. Your diary was your social my media. My diary was an email or um, uh, a note that I would sort of utilize yes. at the end of any event. Yes. And I'd share it with my close oh. circle
0: so it wasn't a private diary
1: it wasn't a private it was oh, something I'd share it was like your
0: way of documenting an what entertainment
1: happened. diary it was literally oh. saying guess what Patrick did today I love it. And then, um, when blogging became the
0: um, um, order of
1: the day, yes. um, I launched my blog, Life of Riley, A Day in the Life of Riley, Pop yeah. Culture and Possibilities. Yeah. That was in two thousand five.
0: I've been receiving those. For You've two, been since getting since those for a lot of years. I totally enjoy them. They're fantastic. <laughs> I live vicariously through you. Like, wow, that's so fabulous. Absolute Play, by, <laughs> play, by play, by play. And yeah. then
1: social media happens So now I kind of utilize my platforms via social media to share share. on that level you know because growing up i loved do you remember the uh, magazine it's like journalist purists might balk at this magazine but i loved it because it was raw yeah it was filled with information and it was kind of like you're on the ride with jamie foster brown sister to sister do you know that magazine? I don't. I, I know you know. I know oh I know my God. I know there How are people in the room that? who know. Yeah,
0: for sure. Because <laughs>
1: it, and and again it was and she would just do these interviews with people like yes. we're doing now. Yes. And instead of editing the interview down, right. it would just be the whole the whole interview. Thing. And she would be talking to Bobby and Whitney. Wow. And I miss that. Whoever the person of the time was, yes. they really trusted her like an auntie. You That's know? amazing. And I love so magazines like that. I, yes. I'm also, I love Vanity Fair. They yes. also do the, the the well-edited Yes,
0: very highly edited. But, curated. Uh,
1: curated almost.
0: <laughs> curated but content.
1: Party content. Yes. You know, they for take sure. you it, on that ride. They do. They and do. um so juicy. Th- so that range of what was going on in journalism when people let you in. Yes. Celebrity bio is, for example, my favorite genre of book. <laughs> <laughs> you know, celebrity
0: bios. I so love
1: it. I really, so my entertainment diaries were on that tip. You know, yes. I was sharing the way that I I appreciated people sharing with me. Yes, you know, yes, yeah,
0: fantastic.
1: Before I had a platform. Uh, you know yes, I
0: mean? before. But it sounds as if you always had a platform. You were just in the process of actualizing it and, and making, making it, you it know, come to <laughs> fruition, making it, it official. It. That's it. When speaking of actualization, mm-hmm. when did you realize you could? Actualize your dreams, and that you were going to make this happen. It, w- it was just going to come true.
1: Morehouse was a big part of that. Mm. Um, you know, if you think about Spike Lee's school days, yes, and it captures the best of a black college experience: the coronation, the pageantry, the fraternities and the sororities, the singing, the dancing, yes. the culture of it yes. all, the yes. black culture of it all. Yes, that is exactly what my existence was so those shows that they put on in that movie yeah. I was putting on those shows ah. I was hosting those pageants wow. I was hosting a lot of the student media that went on between Morehouse and Spellman and Clark oh, and my goodness Brown. Yes. we the world was our oyster yes. and Morehouse and a lot of the HBCUs, HBCUs trained us to know that we were valuable to know your worth. in a way that might not have shown up from where we came. Yeah. Where I came, coming from Savannah, I was uh, uh, I, I was always the smart one, but often it wasn't with a lot of people who looked like me. And so let's say I'm in show choir. They're going to give Patrick the, the lead.
0: Yeah, because you can sign. Because
1: I can sing, yeah. right? Yeah. But there was something still kind of objectifying about that. Yes. So once I got to Morehouse, it was kind of like, oh, we can all sing. Yes. Oh, we're all smart.
0: Yeah. <laughs> oh, oh we oh.
1: And there was something kind of humbling about that. Yeah, very
0: humbling, yes.
1: And yet there was something that really showed me how to um, give the support to my brothers and sisters and yes. how to get the support, get the support from support my brothers and without sisters. Without feeling
0: competitive or With, at least negatively, adversely without competitive.
1: Without feeling negatively um competitive. Yes. And so Morehouse gave me that sense that I could do it all.
0: Yeah. I have heard this from a number of my friends who had attended HBCUs. And I have to say that from, I I didn't attend one, Mm -hmm. but from my understanding, I appreciate that you were taught to know your worth. Because the schools that I went to, that wasn't the objective. They weren't, they weren't trying to Teach me what my worth Precisely. was. You in could, fact, i stumbled
1: into that. Yeah, I stumbled.
0: Yeah. I had to. I went in knowing my worth, but interestingly enough, there was a process of kind of stripping me of that during my education. I get it. And I had to relearn yes. my worth, yes. and that took years because the psychology, preach of higher education Talk is very interesting. It. That's a subject for another podcast. That's a whole episode.
1: Mm-hmm. Maybe even a series.
0: So let's toast to that, knowing your worth. (laughs) Cheers. Here's to worth. Here's to knowing your worth. Absolutely. All right, then. Speaking of higher education, (laughs) there is a quote that I learned a long time ago. And I believe it's by William Butler Yeats. And he states, quote, in dreams begin responsibilities. Did you feel that it was work to make your dreams come true? Because as you describe it, it sounds as if you said yes and you were open and things happened and they fell into place. And I love that flow. But there was work, wasn't there?
1: There was work. And there was also a time in the timeline where it didn't pay what um, I needed to make a living. Of
0: course. That's reality.
1: And because I knew the path I was on, and it was the kind of work for which i had to i had to do it um diligently yes to set myself apart right
0: and stay focused and
1: to stay focused on my goals mm-hmm. but i also had to be able to not let the um hiccups and detractors. when the money wasn't right mm-hmm. Stop me from staying the course
0: interesting
1: and staying the course early on when my dad the same chief master sergeant from the air force yes. he doesn't make a purchase without looking at consumer reports ah. so did he want me to make a decision on my major from yeah. my heart or did he want me to follow his lead when he showed me the consumer reports that yeah. said engineering is the way to go right to ensure that you have this, this, and this. Yes. Your math and science scores are so high, yeah. you should do this. Right. And do that on the side. You right. know? Yeah. If you want to do your little <laughs> entertainment on the side. And I just stuck to my guns. Mm, you know, even going to Morehouse, I got an Air Force scholarship that gave me a little more money if wow. I had gone to UGA. Mm. But I didn't want to be a bulldog. I wanted to be a Morehouse man. I want to
0: be a Morehouse man. And
1: I still pay certain loans to this day because of my decision. Yes. But my dad only came around when he came around. You know, by my senior year, when they're when Morehouse is asking me to uh, present an award to Louis Gossett Jr. at our Founders Day event. What an honor! And they they're asking me to do it, and then I'm being coached by our esteemed um, Dean, Dean. Ann Watts, who's known the world over for orators and having taught this one, that one. And she tells the other speakers, do it like Patrick and you'll be okay tonight. These are things I got. The Morehouse College Glee Club not only traveled us all over the globe, but when we were chosen to be on Kennedy Center Honors to honor Robert Shaw, the Atlanta Symphony Orchestra composer, conductor, yes. they chose Prodigy, me yeah. to be the speaker. Wow. So that, you know, that lives as the legacy. 1991 CBS Kennedy Center Honors. That's right. I was on it.
0: You have created a legacy. And you didn't even so, know and
1: it. I, and that, you know, that's before I got out of school. You yeah. know what I mean? Before I got out of college. Yes. Morehouse made those things real, real for me.
0: For you. you have been ordained. Yeah. <laughs> I felt
1: chosen in yeah, a way. I yeah. felt chosen in a way. And also, um, I... Um, mention um, in my book my mother I lost my yes. mom when I was 23 God rest her soul but the blessing of being able to have her witness those things yeah. considering she you know wasn't here for the long haul
0: right you know but everything in divine precision your father accepting you that your side hustle that he suggested yes. is your real, it's my real career not, yeah. not a hustle it's my career. it's your career yeah, absolutely I suggest that you change the name of your blog to A Day in the Fabulous Life of. <laughs> because ever since I've been reading it for many years now, yes. I, I, it was living vicariously through you. It, everything just seems so amazing. The people that you met, the people that you learned from, the things that you were doing. And here I was, you know, in medical school, then in residency, general surgery, plastic surgery training, and I'm just going through it. But your blog really just gave me just a sense of, ah,
1: I appreciate it, and and I and I wanted to give as much ah, yeah. which is the fabulous part, yes. as I wanted to testify the real, yeah, you know, and I course. would always blend in sort of maybe what the struggles du jour were, yes. because inside sort of that juxtaposition, you get the testimonial,
0: right? You, you do. get the
1: lesson, you do, and you get the this wasn't the great day,
0: right? Yeah, you were very honest. I wanted to make sure yeah. I
1: maintained that. Piece of it. Yes. Because you know, I knew I was going to hit the, those goals. Oh. You know, where everyone talks about hashtag, yeah, hashtag goals. goals. Yeah. I knew I was going to hit those goals, but I didn't want to hit them in such a way where I didn't sort of narrate what the journey truly was. That's right. Because often that I think is yeah. missing. Yes. That authenticity piece. Yes. In how we communicate. Like, We're having real talk. I know. We're having real talk. Not everybody does that. Not everybody
0: does that. And I think that's probably one of the problems with social media because everything seems so illuminated and curated and everything is so fabulous. But one of the things that I did appreciate about your blog, I do remember there was one blog, obviously, many years ago, and you just flat out said, you know, I didn't have a great day today. This was supposed to happen and it really didn't happen. And it was so real and so honest. It it was refreshing. Those
1: were the ones, I mean, before we were waiting on the likes and the loves. Yeah. Yes. Again, this is pre... Yes. This, maybe MySpace was up at the time. Yeah, maybe. Maybe. <laughs> but um, the, those were the ones that the people responded to. Yeah. Like even now in my, you know, I do great red carpets. I'm always somewhere and it's always fabulous. Yes. But the people love it when I go home. You know yeah. what I mean? And yeah. they love to see that, oh, there's an affirming, accepting family back yeah. in Savannah. Yeah. You're real. It wasn't always that way though. That's right. But you know, it's that kind of thing. That's so, right. I, I, I want to make sure always that the real is in there because I, d- I think the real is fabulous. Yes, too.
0: the real is fabulous, actually. So speaking of content, you drew upon the content of your diary to write this book. That's what friends are for on the women who inspired me. Who or what inspired you to write the book?
1: Well, I have to say uh, a little the little publisher that could Dorpy <laughs> Books out of Washington, D.C.
0: Dorpy Books.
1: And uh, the people uh Associated with it are people I've known professionally through my journalism world. Yes. Um, they have booked me to host events for them yes. uh, because uh, a couple of them are um, attorneys. Mm. Um, but That's out awful. of DC, uh, they had literary backgrounds. Okay. And this vision that they wanted to produce books for mid career folks yes. like me ah. who have a book in them. Yes. who um, Who might not necessarily be able to get. The uh, a deal
0: yes with the uh, literary agency with with the you know
1: to go that traditional route that's
0: right yeah
1: but who might be a leg up from having to self publish
0: yes oh okay right so that's a great option so it
1: was a wonderful option and so Dorpy came to me with this idea that I had the assets to do this book yes they said we we read your blog just much like you're saying to me we've read it religiously and I think from their vision they um audited the blog so they knew they're like oh no he can talk about this he can talk yeah, about this." that's why oh yeah so they presented me to me
0: Interesting. they said
1: um you can put biographical elements in each chapter but use the women as the lens yes. of inspiration through which you'll write each chapter well done. you can categorize them yes. and they said you've got so many great pictures
0: you
1: do why not have a scrapbook for each chapter you
0: have a scrapbook after every chapter It's fantastic.
1: And so, and and I thought that was good for these times because these aren't the most literary times.
0: Not necessarily, (laughs) but we are all highly visual.
1: I still have to figure out my audio book. I have the husbands (laughs) saying, you know, the husbands who come with the wives to my book events, they say, Pat, we love that reading. My wife bought five books. (laughs) When's the audio coming out? Because I'm not reading it, but I love the audio. So I've got to figure all that out, you know, because this is an independent effort. But, um, But, yeah, I... They, they gave me the belief that I had it, yes. and they connected me to this wonderful editor who comes from that traditional world yes. of editing. He uh, worked at um, Amistad. He's worked oh, with wow. um, um, uh, Simon and, & Simon and Schuster. Okay. He's worked with Random House. He's got
0: some credit.
1: He's got good credit. <laughs> Clarence Haynes. Okay. I speak his name. Yes,
0: thank you, Clarence. Because
1: he really helped me make my many great, turn my many great writings. That's
0: right. Into, into a the book. book. Yeah, that's a big deal to be able to have these people in your life, and then to have them come to you to yes. say, "We believe in you. You can do this. You've got the assets. Yes. You've got the content. The content was easy for yeah. you, but you have everything but it, but else that But you still need to it make takes. it a book. Yeah, right. you still need to make it something palpable. Yes. but they helped you along the way. That's brilliant.
1: They did, and, and and it wasn't easy because they were. Trying publishing on for size, yes. just as I was trying to be a published author on for size. Yes, yes. Um, but we, we pushed through. Yes, um, you did. One of the takeaways being stay the course. Stay the course. You know, if you're really inside um, an effort yeah. that feels bigger than mm. your bandwidth. Yes. Just stay the course.
0: Yeah. That's exactly what I'm doing with this podcast. And I believe I started this podcast with my fabulous team, One of One Productions. And they were also, you know, just, I mean, they obviously had more experience, but I think they were just sort of relatively new in their field. And we had many conversations. And I think we both came out with, just stay the course. We'll grow the audience. You know, just keep believing in yourself in this process and it will just unfold. So kudos to One of One.
1: Yes. Yes. Shout out, One of One. And let's toast. Salute.
0: Cheers. Here's to staying the course.
1: Staying the course. Here here.
0: And I must say they've won awards. I'm still waiting for mine, but that's all right. It's coming. It's coming. Mm-hmm. It's okay. coming.
1: Okay.
0: <laughs> you stated that you wrote your book, quote, in the spirit of diversity, which yes. I believe, and also uh, for a positive shift and change that we are seeing. Explain. What does that mean?
1: Well, you know, in these social mi- media times, mm-hmm. It doesn't take much for a person, a troll in particular, to reduce any one of these le- these legends wow. to nothing.
0: By words. Just by Just words. Just by words.
1: By um, cowardly words. Yeah. Um Discounting words. Yeah. Demeaning. Demeaning words. Yeah. And I it's think in society, we see enough of that way of being as acceptable behavior mm. <laughs> from the top. Right. I wanted to disrupt that. Yep. And Are you I, running
0: for president? <laughs> I, I don't know. <laughs> let's, okay. let's see how the book does. Okay. <laughs> let's see how the book does. But I wanted
1: to <laughs> dis- disrupt it because I feel like um, I, 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 sometimes pop culturally you'll have these young journalists interviewing someone as important as a, and Aretha Franklin, yeah, God Rest her Soul, Gladys Knight. Yeah. And they just don't get it, you know? Dionne Warwick just, um, they, they revealed her last night. On the as Masked, the masked singer, singer. I was so
0: disappointed that they booted her so early. Right. I was like, are you kidding me? Listen to that voice. But its
1: it gives you the idea of kind of what society is doing to our people. Yes, and our so, icons. Our icons. Yeah, so icons. I did the book to get something on the record that's going to be in the Library of Congress that kids can stumble into via Google, that people can stumble into via Amazon or yes. Barnes and Noble, yes. and see that the same way that as a child, I stumbled into Donald Bogle's mm-hmm. brown sugar.
0: You've just listened to part one of Forever Fun podcast. Please stay tuned for part two. Coming up next,